Welcome to the Elite Foundations podcast, how to build an elite foundation physically and mentally to win at life. No theory, just real world results. Your hosts are Dr. Emil, ex-emergency doctor, entrepreneur, and health coach, and myself, Edomar, ex-Israeli special forces, jiu-jitsu black belt, and mindset expert. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode of Elite Foundations. Today, we're going to be doing part two of the last episode, which was addition by subtraction. On the last episode, we spoke about the framework and the theory. This week, we're going to be going a little bit more detail into the how, but I'm going to let Isamar take it away from here. Yeah, so to quickly recap, what we talked about is that there has to be a foundation first in this period of success. First, of skill set. After you have the skill set, you have to build the character traits, which is discipline, resiliency, and let's say drive. After that, you have to have mindset. Mindset is how you're going to choose to frame certain situations. So instead of just saying this is a hardship, saying this is an opportunity to become the person I want to be and so on. And the final step is emotional clarity or emotional levity. And that's all the fears, insecurities, and doubts that we all have collected throughout our life, both from a genetic standpoint that we just collected from our ancestors and from what's called more behavioral standpoint. Things that happened in our environment when we were younger or even as young adults that have sunk in and influence how we think and believe and how we act. So what we're going to be doing today is a workshop on how you can really resolve the last part. And notice that I said resolve. You will never, ever fully remove these things. You'll never be completely fearless, completely 100% secure with everything, and 100% confident. That's a fallacy. That's just a fairy tale. But what you absolutely can do is resolve these things down to a point where it doesn't require a ton of motivation, a ton of effort to get through them, to see through them, and to actually do what you should be doing in order to serve yourself. Can I just add some nuance there? Um, and I might, I might be wrong, but you know what you're talking about with emotional clarity is essentially moving, removing pre-programmed blocks, i.e. things like uh, from, from society, from upbringing, from culture, religion, whatever it is, these, these have, have been subconsciously pre-programmed through our lives and are now running in the background and affecting how we operate. And what you're, go on. No, I was just gonna to capsulate again, I love that Carl Jung quote, that until you make the unconscious conscious, will direct your life and you will call it fate. That's exactly that. Yeah. And then what you're saying is you'll never be able to resolve these fully, or rather you won't be able to resolve the emotions. So you, you will still have fear, but the fear will no longer be due to pre-programmed blocks so you will be able to remove these pre-programmed blocks fully is that right no no so let's clarify this is a great question what i said you'll be able to resolve them you won't be able to remove them so let's say you had a level of fear around certain issues on a scale of one to 100 you had it at 95 that's why it really got anywhere what we can do is take that down to like a 10 or a 5 so you don't have to get super motivated super amped up to overcome this thing and then crash afterwards because you're exhausted Instead of trying to basically jump over a giant wall, it's like a little road bump all of a sudden. You can just go out, you can just hop over it, hop over it, hop over it, and you wait a success. So that's what I'm saying. You will never fully remove them. They will still be a part of you. And anyone who tells you otherwise, in my opinion, and from what I've seen, that's bullshit. But you absolutely can resolve these things down to a point where they'll still be there, but they won't get in your way. And you can take action. Because again, the whole point of this is, again, to take action at the end of the day. And what we can do is minimize these things down to a point where they don't stop you from doing that. So 
again, just, just to clarify, because I think this is interesting and, and important, let's use a, a, an example. Say you have this religious programming that being wealthy is bad and you have a guilt associated with it. It's subconscious, but that's what's stopping you from getting to the next level. So you're saying you you can remove or resolve. You can resolve. So what I'm saying is you have this, let's say it's a, it's a 90 strength, okay? If 100, just for number's sake, it's at a 90 strong, okay? Just by shedding light on it and all of a sudden making it conscious, we can get it down to about 50. Fine. Then by adding certain processes that we're going to talk about today, we can keep moving it down and down and down and down, just weakening it um, to the point where your mind can actually control it. And it's not just this vague thing that makes you feel bad and insecure and pulls you in various ways that you don't understand. And that's what we're going to be able to do. That's also why we're going into 80-20 of this. We're not going to try to take you know, 10 years of therapy or an ayahuasca trip or whatever it may be. We're just going to say what's the most effective thing that can get us down to the point where you can take action. Not where it's completely removed because that's a fallacy, but to the point where you can really take action consistently. Is that clear? It is. And just the last thing before I let you continue and stop interrupting. There, there will be other people who don't have that particular guilt associated with money because they didn't have the same religion and upbringing. So those people will be at zero. So what you're saying is you can't unprogram something that has been, you can't totally. Uh, so to give it an example of what you're saying. So when you get cut somewhere, you're going to have scar and your muscles are going to have a little bit of scar tissue. You can do a lot of things to really like nail it down and you know massage it out, but it's always going to be a little bit there. It's not going to be like the tissue that was before. Does that make sense? So that analogy has nailed it. I will now sit down. All right. I will, I will remember that for later. So that's what we're going to be doing today, guys. We're going to be figuring out how we can take these scars of the tissue, really like make them so that it doesn't actually hinder your performance. Functional. Yeah. So you're functional and you can really move forward. It's still, like I said, it's always going to require a little bit of courage at the end of it. But it's going to be so little that you can keep mustering up, mustering up, mustering up, and keep moving forward in your day. So, should we get started? Let's do this. All right. So, again, to start out, like the reason people don't do this is twofold. One, they're not aware that this can be done. They try to add more things, and that's what we talked about in the last episode. And the second thing is, like, this is hard. This is elite shit. Being honest with yourself about what's going on inside your head and your emotions, that's difficult. It's why a lot of people add so much complexity to their life and to their business. That's because they're trying to add complexity to hide from the simple, yet easy, like the, the simple but not easy things they know they should be doing. This is one of those things. Okay, so the first thing we got to do is we got to understand what the fear is. So, Emil, let me ask you this. What is fear? How would you define fear? What is fear? I feel like a pupil who should know the answer. <laughs> I don't. Um... Fear is is uh, worry about the the consequences of, of something happening. Great. That was very well said. So to make it a bit clear, fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous or likely to cause us pain or be a threat. And again, it's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief. And that's the big ticket here, okay? So a belief is not a universal truth. It's not physics. It's not science. A belief is something that you hold to be true for you. You specifically hold true. And gravity is not a belief. You can't just say, well, I don't believe I'm going to like jump from a building and knock it. Gravity is science. A belief, though, is something subjective. This is a belief that you hold to be true for you. This is how the world is for you. And that's a really big thing to recognize. So 
I break down beliefs into, let's say, two, two big camps. Okay, and there's obviously more nuance here, but just to keep things high level. There's what are called overarching truths that have a very broad application and they have a moderate yet universal effect. So let's say this affects everything you think in life, but on that scale of one to 100, this is at around like a 50, 60. So it's not super powerful, okay? But it affects everything. The second kind of belief is, let's call it rules or consequences, okay? And these things have very specific application to very specific verticals in your life. So they have a very narrow effect on your life, but it's extremely powerful. This is like a 90-95. So if this is the thing that's holding back your business, for example, once you resolve this, you can really fly. If this is the constraint. Does this make sense so far? Are you with me? Yeah. Beautiful. Okay, so the, the overarching truth. Let's give some examples of that. That is like life is dot, dot, dot. I am dot, dot, dot. People are dot, dot, dot. Who am I? Dot, dot, dot. These are things that you think this is just how the world is for me and it affects everything you think. So if like you think life is supposed to be easy, every time you're met with a challenge, it's going to mess you up. Okay? That's what your belief is. And all of a sudden, something's wrong here. Something's not adding up. Or if you tell yourself, I'm an introvert, that's your belief of the world. Every time you're supposed to be in a situation where being an introvert won't serve you, you're going to feel threatened because your belief is that this might cause you pain. If you say to yourself, who am I to demand or to earn this much money or whatever it may be, every time a lot of money might come your way, you're going to feel threatened because something here isn't in line with how you believe things should be. Does this make sense? Yeah. So this is an overarching truth. It's 50, 60% intensity and it applies high level over your whole life. Yeah. So this kind of belief always runs in your background and like the background of your mind and you apply it everywhere. Everywhere in life you find a way to apply it. Okay. So it's not like in this specific vertical, but just all around. It's always in the back of your head and you're just applying it everywhere you possibly can. Make sense? Yep. Great. So then we have the second part, which is let's say rules or consequences. So this is much more of like a formula of how we think. We think if X, I'm sorry, can you hear the dogs in the background? A little bit, but it's fine. You can continue. All right. So the second part is, let's call it rules or consequences. These are formulas that we have in our head that relate to specific situations. So if X, then Y. If then. Or in order to X, I have to Y. Or I'll be X when Z happens. So for example, if you love me, then you'll do this. This is something that we project on relationships. And then when somebody, the significant other, they also like say a business partner, doesn't do what you think somebody should be doing their position, instead of thinking, oh wait, maybe he hasn't slept, maybe he thinks differently, whatever it may be, you immediately think he doesn't care about me. You project all this craziness onto them. Or if I do this, then this should happen. And that's the belief you hold. So you're afraid to go outside of that because this is how the world is supposed to work. Or in order to be happy, then Z has to happen for me. And unless that happens, I'm not supposed to be happy. And you that one for me. No, 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 I'm not that specifically. But to clarify, this is um, subconscious. So you're not thinking if they don't make me coffee in the morning, they don't love me. This is just, I feel like they don't love me and I can't 
because they didn't make me coffee and without really thinking about the consequences and without you know maybe without overstepping then is it true to say that a lot of that is due to the fact that we're so bad at being present and we're so distracted by life that we don't stop to think and to say actually could there be another reason it's just this spike of emotion they didn't make me coffee they don't love me and then you go on to the next thing with that emotion kind of bubbling in the background is that reality it could be i've never actually given it a thought that presence is the issue there i've always thought about it as an issue of awareness like i wasn't aware at first that this is a way i'm choosing to see the world but it's not necessarily true hmm. Once that awareness was brought to me and I realized that I don't have to just, like I said, be driven by that impulse, by that spark, and that I can actually think this through and analyze what's going on here, that's when a lot of things really changed positively in my life. Because I was able to see things for what they are, what they actually are, not just for how I feel at the moment. So presence could be a way of saying it. For me, it was more an awareness. We don't have that awareness that this is actually what's going on. And that's why I said that just by these things are the 9095. Just by shedding light on them, we can really remove half of it. Because once you have that awareness and you shed light on them, then you can say, well, this is silly. It's like if that person didn't make me coffee, that doesn't mean they don't love me. That just means that, hey, maybe they never expressed that that's important to me. Maybe they also have a lot on their plate this morning or whatever it may be. And all of a sudden, that gets a lot of its power gets taken away. Does that make sense? It, it does. And, you know, to, to add in, the reason I, I mention presence is in health and food, it's kind of, very similar people have these automatic programs like if i go out to a restaurant i will eat all the food because that's just what's done like and and that's not intentional that's not conscious they don't want to do it they're just doing it to the point that then they're full and it hurts so what i say is look if you just slow down be present and think about what you actually want bring awareness to it then that's that's half the battle and i feel God, Sorry, can i add a ripple to what you're saying Please. So I think you're missing a step in what you actually, the process that your clients are going through. So you're actually giving them awareness that, hey, when you go to a restaurant, you still want to figure out your macro. You just eat something that's like good and tasty, but you don't go over the top. But that's a possibility in life, to have that awareness of how your health is. And then once you're actually in the moment, be present. No, this is going autopilot. So I think you are doing those two things. You're first bringing the awareness to them and then asking them to be present while they're in there. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to like uh, derail this this whole thing. I, I, it's it's just about the presence more than anything else. Like even without a plan, it's just about being present because when you when you eat out, you're there to enjoy it. And my point is that people don't enjoy it; they just they're on autopilot. Yeah. So, but we don't need to. We don't I need. I think to it's also just a bit of nuance in words. So the way I'm just going to like sum sure. this up: it's like first you have to be aware that this is something that can. There's something to be done here. And then you have the presence to actually say, I'm going to stop in the moment and ask myself what's going on. Make sense? Can we, can we be happy about that? Let's go. Awesome. All right. So a couple of examples of these, so these rules of the consequences are, and this is what Nathan said, if I make a lot of money, then that means I'm greedy. And because he had this belief, he was terrified internally to do something that could make him a lot of money. And he was putting the ceiling on himself and his wife and their family because of that, without knowing. And this is the big thing. Right? These are very, very, very powerful. And he never knew that these existed inside him. And these are the things that usually when you recognize you have one of these beliefs, you start breaking into a sweat. 
and something in your chest feels a bit heavy because you're like, whoa, I never knew this was what I was thinking, but that's exactly what's going on. This is terrifying. Other examples are, or let's say just around money, is if I want to, have to make money, then I have to compromise on X, Y, Z. People believe that. So they're not willing to make a lot of money because they think they're going to have to sell out, they're going to have to be greedy, they're going to have to compromise in their marriage, whatever it may be. Or, in a very different way, if I set goals and don't fully achieve them, then that means I'm a failure. And people don't love failures. That's what stops people from going for it. Instead of saying to themselves, well, actually, it's like, if I don't fully achieve a goal, I'm still on my way. People will see that in perspective. That's just the way how we feel internally. Does this stuff make sense? Yeah, this, this makes a hell of a lot of sense. Um, and I'm already thinking in this way about what, what these potential programs are for me. So, yeah, even this level of awareness is powerful. Yeah. So, again, to bring it together, there's two kinds of beliefs, two main kinds of beliefs. There's overarching truth. These have a very broad application, but a moderate yet universal effect. You're always running in the background of your head and apply these things to everything and anything. And then you have the rules and consequences, the if-thens, the in order to, or I'll be happy when, X, Y, Z. These have a very specific application to a very specific and narrow area of your life, but they're extremely powerful. And once you just shed light on these beliefs, you already take away half the power. It's like, uh, there's an expression in Hebrew that basically says that the scary monster is in the shadow, but once you have light on it, it's not a scary monster. And this is kind of it. Once you're able to make these things, how the subconscious will control your life until you make it conscious, this is you actually making it conscious. That's half the battle. So that's the first part. Take time. Like if you can, pause this podcast and workshop the stuff. Ask yourself, what broad overarching truth do I hold? And you can use a simple formula as cues. Fill in the blanks. Life is dot, dot, dot. How do you view it? I am dot, dot, dot. People are dot, dot, dot. Who am I? Dot, dot, dot. Fill those out. You can use prompts around wealth, about relationships, about your health, about your happiness. And think about it that way. Once you do that, move on to the rules or consequences. And just have a couple formulas there. Try to plug in certain things. And again, it shouldn't be something that you think about. It isn't something that's supposed to be rational or logic. It's supposed to be something that you go off the cuff. You just throw from your gut from your subconscious, without judging it, but just to see what's going on in there. So say if, then. In order to, then. I'll be, when. Plug in these formulas and see what you come up with. Take time, don't judge yourself, off the cuff, and just fire as many as you can. See what happens and what lands on that paper. Okay, so that's part one of this. Are we clear <laughs> Yeah, a real physical exercise. Literally pause the podcast now. Yep. Um, go through the prompts that Itamar just laid out and go through as many as you can. And actually, I've done similar exercises. Uh, it's called thinking time. Some of you guys might have heard of it. And basically, he says, like, start writing stuff down. This is the easy stuff. Then you need to keep going. Now it gets more tricky. Then you need to keep going. Now it gets hard. So just give yourself a lot of time to do this and, and almost force yourself to keep going because the top layer stuff will come easily. Then you'll get into the deeper and deeper stuff and that will, that's where the juice is. Yeah, I think you can get away honestly with just doing 10 minutes for each because I also don't want this to look like a, an intimidating, like you have to set aside five hours to go to a cabin in the woods and do it. 
you can set 10 minutes to go for the rules and consequences and 10 minutes to go for the overarching truths. If you do that, you, you'll get the 80-20, okay? And that's enough for now. Should we move on to part two? Let's do it. All right, so part two is, and again, we hope you have paused this podcast and already done part one and separated it. Part two is asking what's actually true. Now, have you ever heard the term limiting beliefs? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you started laughing. Why did you start laughing? <laughs> because I know your thoughts about limiting beliefs. What are my thoughts on this? Share it with the world, too. I think the succinct way would be limiting beliefs are bullshit. Yeah. And then you can take it away from there. Yeah, I think limiting beliefs, like they sound sexy, it's great marketing or whatever, but it doesn't work. You're not going to get a bunch of very intelligent, logic-driven people when they're in an emotional state to say, you know what, I think this way, but this is a limiting belief. And I want to hold a more powerful, positive belief in rainbows and sunshines. They're not going to do that. And that's why I think the whole notion of limiting beliefs or positive beliefs, it doesn't work. And we need to let go of that. It's like, yes, it sounds snazzy, oh, this is a limiting belief, but your brain is not going to buy into that at a peak emotional state where you're really either agitated or scared or whatever it may be. So what we're going to do instead here is instead of asking if this is limiting you or not, it doesn't matter. The only thing we're going to ask is, is this a true thing or is this a false belief? Is this a universal truth? Is this science? Is this physics? Is this have broad appeal to everybody and anybody, not just you? Or is this just a false belief that you happen to hold? Because once we do that, if we actually acknowledge and you recognize that this is a false belief, then you can give yourself permission to let go of it. Because you don't have to say, oh, I'm trying to bullshit myself and go of a limiting belief, but you can say, this is actually not true. And if it's not true, I'm willing to let go of that. Does that make sense? Why I hate that term so much? Yeah. Yeah. Great. So this is a three-step process you can use to really identify if a belief you hold is a universal truth or if it's just a false belief that you happen to hold. Okay, so the first thing is you just write down what's the belief or the rule, right? The consequence or overarching truth. What is it? Just write one of them down, one by one. Then step number two is you got to ask yourself, what was the context that it was formed under? Where did you learn in your life that this was true? How did you form this belief? Okay, so you can think about it as in one, what situation caused you to think this way? When did you learn this? What time in your life did you learn this? Or who did you learn this from? These are a couple of prompts just to, again, get the context and understand, why did I come to think this way? What happened there? And what caused me, again, to say that this is actually how the world needs to work? Or otherwise, it doesn't make sense. And then the third part is, you ask yourself, what is actually true now in today's world? And let's bring that down into two things. One, is it relevant for me, for who I am today, with my skill set, with my experience, with who I am today? Not who I was when I was six years old, when I was 12 years old and awkward or whatever it may be, but for who I am today, is this still relevant? Okay? And if you're still struggling with that, you can ask a different question. You can say, you know what? What would be true for someone else in this position? Would this belief I hold still apply to them? But when I say actually, that's not, that's not actually how it works. This is my style. Because if you can say this doesn't apply to somebody else, you can recognize this is probably just your style. And it's not a truth. This makes sense? Super. It makes a lot of sense. Can I give a live example? Please. So step one, my belief would be that I need to hustle, work hard, and do more to make money, to make more money. So that's step one. 
Step two, where did that come from? From a young age, and you know about this, uh, I was always pushed to be successful and academic and to work hard. It was a first generation immigrant background, be a doctor, work hard, go to university, work your whole life. And that is the pinnacle of success. So I've always applied that in my life. And, you know, this year has been a bit of a change and I'm learning new ways of approaching it. So then the final part, step three is, does this still apply to me right now? Or what was the other one? Is this... Uh, I'll say this. You're going about it the right way, but there's a big way to improve this. So what you're doing is just assessing like, my belief right now. Instead of just assess the belief separated from you, just stress that's separated different. from you. So instead of saying what's relevant to me now, say, is this actually the truth in the world? Yeah. So And it's not. So what is the truth? What is actually true? I mean, for sure, a hard work and money aren't correlated directly leverage is a thing and with certain skills and with with certain you know ways of applying things you can totally decouple yeah so hard work and money can i go deep on you a little bit always always this is what this is about yeah so remember in the first episode we defined what winning in life is to us and i said one of my principles is money isn't everything but not having it is yeah not having it is terrible yeah. And I think what the belief that you really need to challenge is that I need more money in order to be happy. That belief was probably something that very much served you when you just wanted to get out of med school and you had to make money in order to leave that life aside and not be a doctor anymore. But now the question is, will more money make you happy? And that's the belief that you really need to challenge. Because when you say the context that it was formed, then you say, well, actually, when I left med school, I really needed to have money because that life was terrible. And it didn't serve me. But now we can ask what's actually true in today's world when you're actually making a lot of money. You have a lot of businesses and all that stuff going on. Was that actually true? Or what is actually true? So, and I agree with that for sure. And it probably even goes further back than when I left being a doctor. But would both of those then in the context of this exercise be things which I would have written down in the, uh, I don't know, in the belief section? They, they would both be worth working through and reframing, right? Absolutely. And again, beyond reframing, we're not trying to reframe it. We're just trying to stress this. Is this the truth or not? Yeah, yeah. Reframing, positive light, negative light. This is, is this the truth? Yeah. Because I think once you can see that something that you hold on to isn't the truth, as a smart, logic-driven individual, as our listeners are, because that's why they're attracted to this kind of content, they say, you know what? I can give myself permission to let go of this because this is not the truth. And I value myself as somebody who actually is able to see reality for what it is. And that's the deal with this. And I'm sure you're about to talk about this, but okay, so I'm a logical person and I know that money, more money won't bring me more happiness. I know logically on a surface level, I know that I don't need to work harder to make more money. But how do I, like, all right, permission to let it go. Great, that would be awesome. I'd love to just let it go. Permission to embody it as opposed to just logically surface level believe it like what is the next level to hammer that home okay so you're skipping a step and i do want to say one more thing before that that's a really important thing is for our listeners before we get too far because we did say this was going to be a bit of a workshop so to kind of recap how you can apply this three-step process yourself to challenge a belief and see if it's true if it's a universal truth or it's just a false belief that you hold is again write down the belief or truth have it in front of you then ask yourself, what was the context that it formed under? Where did I learn this to be true in life? Okay? 
So what situation might have caused me to think this way? When did I learn this? Or who did I learn this from? Get that context. Then ask yourself, what is actually true now? Today's world for me of now. So is this relevant for who I am today as far as my skill sets, my experiences, my abilities, who I am? And if that still doesn't resonate, you can ask yourself, what, what would be true for someone else in this position? If you say this is exactly the truth for anybody else in this position, that's the truth. That's gravity. Everybody who jumps out the building is going to fall. If not, then that's probably a belief that you hold. It's worth testing. Okay? So now what you were saying about how do we embody that, here's the reality. You're not going to embody that all at once. You're not just going to let go. It's a process. And I, I'm sure with your clients, when they go to a restaurant, the first time they don't do it. The second time they kind of do it. They cast themselves in the middle. Like, actually, I shouldn't be having all these fries, whatever it may be. The next couple of times, you're able to, pray, to basically be ahead of the game, be a step ahead and cast it before it actually happens. Would that be accurate? Yeah, and what I say to people is, look, you only need to nail this once, so it'll take 100 times. And that's fine. You just need to do the reps. You just need to go through the process. The first step is awareness and bringing it more common, more often to the situations. Great. So let's think about the awareness. The awareness is the first to recognize that, A, once you figure out if you hold these false beliefs, to ask yourself, is it worth to hold on to them or not? Like, have they weighed you down and caused you invalid stress? Have they caused you to take actions that don't actually serve you? And if they deny you the things you really want, whether that's the clarity, courage, freedom, whatever it may be. And first it's us, like, is this something that I don't want to let go of, that I'm going to decide to make the effort to let go of? Like how you said, like, people come to you and they say, like, I don't want to be unhealthy anymore. You have to make that decision. Once you make that decision, then you make the next step in the process. And you figure out how you can be a step ahead of your own emotions. So, Emil, let me ask you that. How do you think we can be a step ahead of our emotions? Again, I'm feeling like a naughty pupil who doesn't know what the answer is. Um, <laughs> I'm asking complex, complex questions here, so let me break it down. We're looking for certain cues. The first, these cues are going to signal to us that our emotions are starting to spike, but they're maybe not, you know, at a hundred level yet. So we can catch them and we're just kind of, you know, just kind of settling in. Something's starting to agitate us a little bit, poke at us a little bit in place that we're uncomfortable with. And a formula I love to use, I don't know if it's a formula or a model or whatever you call it, it's called the ABC charm. And it's a way to understand how you behave and your reaction to things. So the A is affect. Affect is your emotion. So when I get emotional with certain beliefs, people challenge them. I feel angry. I feel overwhelmed. I feel exhausted, nervous, agitated, scared, bewildered, whatever it may be. So that's the A of the ABC triangle. Affect. The second one is B. That's body and behavior. Okay, so these are physical symptoms. So some people, when one of these beliefs start happening, popping up in their heads, and the world is challenging it a little bit, is they get cold sweats their hands shake or they clench their fists. They get a pinch in their stomach. I personally, I clench my jaw and crack my knuckles. Some people also have certain cravings for food. I'm sure you know this very well. Some people slam doors or, you know, type harder on their keyboard, whatever it may be. And the last part the C is cognitive. And that's usually the self-talk. And people have these stories they tell themselves. They're like, oh, no one cares. Uh, who am I to? Like we said, this will never work. This will never be fixed. I'll never get to where I want to. I'm not sure this will even make sense. All these kind of things they have self-talk. Now, most of us lean more heavily into one angle of this ABC triangle. And that's like our flavor of choice as far as to know what your cues are. 
a great way to actually figure these things out. Or, hey, again, just to brainstorm and ask yourself. Last time I was in a very big emotional high or low, however you want to call it, what did I think? What did I say to myself? What did I notice about my body? Again, how did I feel? And take it a step further, instead of asking yourself that, you can ask someone who's around you you trust. If you are in a relationship and you can ask your significant other, they'll tell you a lot of things that you cannot see about yourself. It'll seem extremely obvious to them, but you never realize. Now, once you have these cues and triggers kind of locked in, you can understand and say to yourself, well, wait, now that's something you need to be aware of. Because every time I feel a cold sweat, I know that something's going on here. One of my beliefs is being challenged. So let me take a step back for a second. This is a great time to take a step back and ask what's going on here. Am I feeling challenged because something is true? Or am I feeling challenged because one of my beliefs is popping up here and it's getting in my way and I'm afraid and that fear is causing this emotional sensation? Now, what you can do about that is then, in that moment, use a certain framework. And you can say, say, okay, if I catch a certain trigger or a cue, then I can ask myself, what's behind this? What's going on? And is it actually true? Again, is it a belief or is it a truth? If it's true, then again, I'll address it. Some situations in life just make us nervous. That's the reality. Some situations are more challenging. But if it's a false belief, then I'll remind myself of what's actually true because I did the legwork ahead of time and I did the exercises in pod and then pause the podcast to do it. And because I know it's actually true, I'll proceed with that in mind. And again, this is where you will choose courage. You will say, this doesn't feel comfortable, but I know this is truth, and that's what I'm going to deal with. That's how I'm going to move in the world. Now, the reason you should be doing it is, again, you should have figured out what you want in life. And that should be the motivator. You should remind yourself, why should I do this? Because in order to achieve whatever you want to achieve, I can't let previous experiences and false beliefs dictate my actions. And that's a three-step formula you can follow. Then if, then because. If I catch a trigger, then I'll ask myself what's behind this. And is it true? And why should I do this? And why should I not act out of these false beliefs? Because if I want to get to what I want to get to in life, I can't let this stuff guide me and dictate how I behave. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So essentially, you've preloaded a library of these things. You've spent the time to think about them and to think about... Um, what the true belief is so that when you then experience a trigger, whether it's effects, so emotion, whether it's physical uh, body or whether it's uh, cognitive uh, self-talk, when you experience one of these, it reminds you to go back to your library, identify potentially which false belief is occurring so that you can shine a light on it to then decide if in this situation it's true or not is that is that about right 100 percent. and like what you're saying here which i want you guys to hear is emil saying you have to do the upfront work to be able to yeah. deal with very challenging things in the moment you cannot skip that step it's you have to have that little bit of honest humility that said that this is something you're going up against and you have to do the preparation you have to get prepared and you have to do the work for if you just try to show up when these emotions flare and you have not done any of the legwork and you haven't prepared yourself to understand what's true and what's not, there's no way in real time you're going to catch these things. No matter how tough you are, no matter how smart you are, it's not going to happen. You're already in an emotional state where you're not thinking logically. So you think you're going to be able to employ logic while all of a sudden out of nowhere, that's a big, big ask. And it's an unrealistic ask. 
However, if you already have done the logic part taken care of ahead of time, when you're in that emotional state, instead of trying to make it happen, you can just pull out of your pocket and say, wait, when this happens, this is what I should be doing. And it's a giant part that we actually learned in the military and was drilled into us. Like you do not want to try to figure out solutions on the fly. If you can, when things are important enough, create a module ahead of time, a mental module or a physical module, whatever it may be. Because if you do that, you can, when you're in real time, when things are stressful, you can make it happen. And like, I love to say this quote, but you will not rise to the occasion, you will fall to your lowest level of training. And that's what it is internally. If this is your lowest level of training, you put in the legwork, you can fly. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I had something deep and insightful to say, and it's totally <laughs> um, left me. But yeah, as you said, when you are in the moment, you're not you, the next thing will happen if you don't have a library to pull from if you don't have these programs already ready to go you will not be able to access them because you'll get distracted you'll move on plus the emotion plus everything else and what i will say is like i said earlier this will take 100 times before you can even access the library potentially so you just need to keep going and keep trying and keep referring to the library to get to build the skill of going through this process you you want to build the skill of of being aware well i do want to say this so i think a quick way to to make sure that it's like how you said we have to make this very impactful you very quick for you to see that this is worthwhile go back to your top three rules or beliefs okay mark those down what are they now for each one of them just think when's the next high impact event where they will likely arise just take five minutes to brainstorm that if you just do that, you're going to get an immensely high ROI in your time. Okay? And then you got to ask yourself, what's the price if I come to these unprepared and my emotions take over? And if it's worth it for me to take care of this and do the little bit of legwork just with these top three. There's always the 80-20 of the 80-20, and this is it. And also ask yourself, like, again, what is there to gain if you actually execute on this correctly? Yeah. Can we finish on that? I think we're ready. I think, I think we're good. I mean, that's, that's powerful. Yeah. Oh, one more last thing. Last note. How Emil was saying it's going to take you maybe a hundred times to get this correct. Whenever you try to put this to action and it doesn't work a hundred percent correctly, you have two choices. One, you can get frustrated and feel like you're failing in this. Or two, you can be an adult and you can accept that you're not going to execute hundred percent successfully on your first go, that this is a process, but it's a worthwhile process. It's up to you to make that decision. How are you going to think about it? What's going to be your mindset? How are you going to frame it? It's that simple. It's just not Mic drop. Yeah. So I hope you guys have gotten benefit from these two episodes back to back. And I hope that you did pause this episode to do this work because it's all well and good listening to this, being pumped and motivated, feeling a warm glow inside and then not doing the work. Of course, nothing is going to change. And then you'll come back to it three years later and be like, I should have paused the episode. Yeah, you should have paused the episode. So, so do it. <laughs> That's right? all I got to say. Yeah. Um, so next time... Unless you have anything to close off? No, I'm going to leave it to you, man. I've talked a lot. Amazing. So next time I'll be talking about uh, one of my clients, Alex, who grew up in Romania with lots of limiting beliefs. He blew those limiting beliefs and basically now lives in Bali, making Tim Ferriss look like a hard worker. And one of the things that was missing in his life was 
was health and being in shape. And entrepreneurs like to crush it across all domains of life. And money is often one that we, we have nailed down. But health wasn't working. And he lived a crazy lifestyle. He was up at 3 a.m. doing webinars for Romania from Bali. Um, so he came to me looking to get into shape. And I will tell you how we figured that around his insane lifestyle and how in two months he got totally peeled. And that means ripped. So yeah, uh, we'll talk about that next week. Awesome. awesome. See you guys Thanks, next week. Thanks, brother. Bye-bye. If you feel like you need some structured help to put all this together, you can go to itamarmorani.com fear to get access to the free five-part microcourse and exactly how to do that, how to conquer your mind. And we go through the exact steps we've been over through this podcast with some examples and some things you can really dive into and just make it as easy as possible for you to see what's going on in your head, assess if it's true or not, and really take control of your subconscious. So again, it does not dictate how you behave and you just don't have to think it's your fate. So again, if you want access to this, it's completely free. Go to itamarmorani.com slash fear. That's also in the show notes. And you can get instant access right there to the five-part micro course. Enjoy.